Welcome, and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. This evening that you've given to us, a time for us to spend time with uh, your other people here, You've chosen people, this, this body that you've chosen for us. And another time, Lord God, that we can sing praises to you and, and hymns to you in order for us to remember your greatness, your love, and your faithfulness to us. And Lord, right now, as we lift this, this, this time to you, Lord God, where you speak to us through your message, Lord God, I pray that you just open the eyes of your people and their hearts, God, for your message. Give them, Lord God, the clarity of whatever it is that you're trying to tell everyone here. And I pray for that lost soul, Lord God, that this may be the evening that they will surrender their lives to you. And I pray for that brother or sister that needs that nudge and to finally obey you, Father God. I pray that this will be the evening that they will turn from their ways and be one with you once again. Lord, override my preparations. Let you and you alone speak to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, we are missing Brother Edgar because uh, he did, uh, went through a, sur uh, not a surgery, but a procedure. So please have him in your prayers. He's doing well. He's back home. But that is why we're uh, having some, uh, uh, you know, technical difficulties. Like, I, but this is not on Edgar. This is me. I'm, I'm getting, I forgot, I forgot my clicker. <laughs> Can somebody please send me my clicker again? <laughs> it's happening. It's the symptom AGE. Have you guys heard that? <laughs> it's happening. Yeah, you guys. Thank you. AGE, AGE. I titled our message tonight, if it will connect, The Fights We Have. Now, um, no, I did not hear from your spouse or your children, okay? I'm not reading your letter tonight, but this is the fights we have. I want us, I, I, I looked at these verses and again, and I saw the fights that Paul got entangled with. And at the same time, he actually started it because as he said, you know, as he said in, um, um, in 2 Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. But before I get there, I know I have a quote from uh, John Stott. We need to emphasize. We need to emphasize that the what the Spirit speaks, He speaks through what has already been spoken, and that what and that what the Spirit does, He does through what has already been done. So, with that said. Uh, he's an Anglican preacher in London. He died in 2011. But um, he wrote a lot of books about our faith. So I, uh, with that said, we always, when we're here, we're always referring to, you know, we're, we're studying Galatians, but we're bouncing it off with another book from the Bible. Because the Bible is the be best reference for the Bible. It's the best commentary for the Bible. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this is what I was uh, telling you earlier, this is a quote from Paul in 2 Timothy 4.7, a Bible verse, that he has fought the good fight, he has finished the race, 
and he has kept the faith. I titled our message, The Fights That We Have. If, if you've been in a physical fight or a verbal fight, or you know, if you've been in a relationship, more, normally it's a mental fight, right? Girls or women are usually good with that. We men are like, ah, if I could just, just get a punch from you instead of playing mind games with me, it'd be so much easier, right? But regardless if it's physical or mental, it hurts, correct? When you're in a fight. Either you put the hurt, you bring the hurt, or they bring in the hurt. For the Filipinos here, I know we, had, uh, we celebrated another Pacquiao holiday last week, and we saw a fight from him. And we saw blood coming out. We saw, we saw someone's training better than the other, and somebody was, was crowned the winner. But with us Christians, we know that we, on a day-to-day -day basis, we go through fights. We go through battles. We call it spiritual battle or spiritual fight, right? Some, some of us have walked through, through the week victorious because we knew that we've overcome those temptations that was in front of us. We've overcome it. Some of us, we've been walking and we came in through the doors of the church feeling that we got defeated. Some of you are, don't even know that you're in a fight. <laughs> That's the saddest thing. <laughs> the ones that don't know that you're in a battle. But no matter how you feel right now or you thought about you being in a fight or a struggle, in, the, in our Christian life, the spiritual fight or battle that we believers are into are not just temptations of the flesh, but sometimes it's a fight of what we know versus what we feel because it doesn't matter how many doctrines that you know about our faith when it starts battling with your emotions and what you feel do we agree because sometimes we know that we're not like what paul said in romans he says the things that i want to do i don't do the things that i do i don't want to do right he knows it but yet he can't do it he doesn't want to do it, but yet he does it. So the fights that we go through are, are, are different things. But as I read Galatians again, Galatians chapter 1 up to 15, again, reviewing what I delivered last week, hoping that I was going to jump to 16 so I can finish the book, God said again to go back to it. Because there's fights here within these verses that Paul reminds us that we as believers are going to go through. So what are they? The fights that we have in these verses in Galatians and that we normally go through too are the three L's. Legalism. And then with legalism, you have to battle the person that's a legalist. And then with that, in these verses, we see the fight with the license where people take grace as a license to sin so these are the three things we're going to tackle tonight in Galatians 5 1 again we see here Paul speaking for freedom Christ set us free right there is the message good night and God bless you <laughs> for freedom Christ has set us free it's for us to be free. That's why Christ died on the cross. Free from what? 
free from the consequences of sin, free from the power of sin. So that alone removes our third part and we can save time, right? But what I found out from our, our uh, council, church council meeting, uh, one of the issues is that I need to be redundant with messages and announcements in our, in our events. Redundancy is the key, it seems like. Because it doesn't mean that I set it here to begin with in the service, uh, uh, an announcement. I make it in the beginning and I make it in the middle. I make it in the, in the end. And then I post it on Facebook. I send you guys a text. I send you guys a letter or an email. People still will say, I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't know about it. I forgot about it. Even the meeting, people forgot about the meeting. Because apparently, I'm not doing enough. I'm not repeating it enough. So if you're wondering, why is this the message again? God is probably saying, some of us here, all of us here, we still haven't heard it. We still didn't get it. And it's okay, correct? Yep. It's okay, because within these walls, this is, not, this is not the end result of our Christianity. I hope you guys know, and I want you guys to start seeing that this church is like a sports locker room. Not the smell, but a locker room. You know, we're in the locker room where they get their pep talk, and they put their jerseys on, and they, they're told to go out there and do your best, kick some butt. This is what this is. This is what we do on Sundays. Here is where we learn what we're supposed to do and not do, what we're supposed to say and not say, what our mind focus should be to go out there. Because the work is out there. Right? For some of us, we work here, but this is not where we end our work. Our Christianity is, doesn't end and begin on Sundays. It's actually tested from Monday to Saturday. Do we agree? Yes. Amen. And that's what we're going to tap. You see, for freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then. And that's a military cry. That's a military cry. I know I said it last week that standing is, is an action itself. Standing requires effort. And if you are in a fight, and I tell you, if you're a believer, you are in a fight. You're in a fight. So you need to stand firm. You need to be ready. You need to be ready for any attacks. You need to know that Christ set you for freedom, not for slavery. And don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Why submit? Why put back the shackles that Christ has removed? Some of us, we still walk in this in our lives thinking that we're still in chains. The yoke that we're talking about here is the yoke of slavery is, you know, the change or chains or the religious rule keeping. I know we've been talking about circumcision and uncircumcision and people are sitting there like, <laughs> we don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> That's an option. <laughs> in the Philippines, no. They lied to us in the Philippines, you know? You know how they got uh, Filipino kids circumcised? We were told that we will get taller if we get circumcised. <laughs> so Filipinos being short, we're like, hi, cut me up. <laughs> I want to get taller. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's how we were told. That's what we were told. So that's why we got circumcised. I, I get it. Not everybody did. But it's not about... 
Now, now, we're looking at the context of Galatians, the Judaizers implemented it, imposed it to the Galatian believers because they can't stand it that these Gentiles are now saved by grace without even getting circumcised, without even following the commandments that they were enslaved with and continues to be enslaved with. So they want to put that upon other people, which is not the gospel. Do we agree? The gospel is not that. The gospel is through Christ. Faith in Christ and in Christ alone, by grace and by grace alone. Amen? Amen. And that's the gospel. It feels like I'm repeating myself, but God wants me to repeat it. And I'm hoping that if it is you that God is speaking to, I hope that you're hearing him tonight. I hope that you're hearing him. This yoke of slavery is for the Galatian church. The Judaizers were imposing, including circumcision, with the grace of God. Third point, it's dues for now. Because we're going to say that's not relevant to us anymore. There's no circumcision or, or un, uncircumcision in our church. Yes, but then some churches and some believers gives you a list of do's and don'ts. Or a list of how to live like a Christian. A rule keeping book. Or a list of rule keeping. And that's not what the gospel is. Is there a way that a Christian should live? Yes, the Bible shows us that. But is, do we enslave each other by those rules? No, we don't. You are free by Christ because he died to, for us to be free. We are free to obey him or not. Obey him in what? Because of our love. Because of our gratitude. We fall in love with God and with that love we are compelled to obey him. So it's not a rule-keeping faith. It's not a, an imprisonment. It's this, our faith, our, this, this faith that we have is not to enslave anybody. You being here at church, did you have to be here? Or else you lose your membership? <laughs> For some of you, you've already lost your membership. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> is it a have to or you get to? Sometimes it's not about the want to. I, I thought about that. I thought about changing it to want to instead of a get to. I changed it to get to, I meant, from a want to. Because sometimes we don't want to be here. Right? Because there are people that makes us not want to be here. Amen? Okay, fine. No, just me. Just me. Yeah, don't say amen because the person might hear you. <laughs> sometimes we don't want to be here. Sometimes our feelings are not there. But if we're going to think about it, we're going to look at our relationship with God, and we're going to know that He freed us, that He died for us. Then we get to, we think about going to church. Why? Because we get to go to church. We get to come here and learn more about Him. We get to come here so we can be in fellowship with other believers, so we can spur or encourage one another for us to live like Christ. Amen? Please don't come here because you think you have to come here. If you've been coming here because you have to, stop. If you're coming here because you think you're trying to earn your salvation, stop coming. Because apparently, obviously, you're not learning anything. And I'm not clear. I'm not the teacher that's being clear to you. My teaching is not making sense to you. 
If you think that a part of your salvation is coming to church, then I'm not doing a good job. You need to find a, a different church. Find that pastor that will speak life to you. Because you don't come here because you have to. You come to church because you get to come to church. You give to the church or to God because you get to give. Because not because you have to give. You get to do good works because you get to do good works. Not because you have to do good works. Because we are saved by grace, not by works. So that no one can boast. For the good works are given ahead of time. So we get to, in return of God's goodness and greatness to us, we get to come to church. Amen? We get to do good works for God. Amen? And to other people. We get to obey Him because He freed us from the powers of sin. It's not because we have to. Freedom. When there's freedom, there is a fight. There are people that are fighting for our freedom. Amen? There are a couple guys here that's been serving for our freedom so we can have that barbecue on Memorial Day and that, that fireworks on July 4 because people, some guys here, Brother Rommel and, and, and um, Brother Robert and some of you guys who've served, uh, put your lives on the line so we can enjoy our freedom. It's the same thing with Paul, what Paul is doing. Here's, he got into a fight with these Judaizers because they're spreading the wrong gospel. In Galatians, the same. Same with 1 and 2 Corinthians. You know, there, and there's, um, in other books where Paul always fought the good fight. He was fighting against false teachers against legalism, against people that, are, that are, are giving a different gospel. Now the question is, how about you? Are you fighting for the truth? Are you fighting for the truth or are you just taking the other table because these people are talking too loud and you don't want to just get in, get in the middle of their conversation? Sometimes God puts us in a situation where we get to we get to be a good testimony, that we get to defend the gospel, that we get to correct the error, but we choose to not be part of it. Now, if you're thinking that you have to so you can be again saved, again, wrong. Don't even bother. Because it's, there's, no adding, there's no adding to what Christ has done on the cross. Now, fright versus legalism. Galatians 5, 2, 4. Take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourselves circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Now Paul is saying, hey, you can only be saved through Christ and through Christ alone, by faith in Him, by the grace that God has given us. Now, if you're going to choose, this is what he's saying. So if you choose to follow rules, do the religious rule keeping, then you are on your own. That's what he's saying. Right? So you can't, if you do one, you have to do it all. 
You know, the, 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 the bad thing here is, you know, verse 1 was motivation. It was to motivate us. You know, verse 2 and 4 talks about performance, if you read it. Because the circumcision or uncircumcision is, is performance. It's about following or not following a set of rules. Do you see that? And, the, and what reminds me here is when people try to go back, when believers try to go back to keeping a set of rules instead of just relying on the grace of God, it, it reminds me of this, this one movie where this, there's this guy who, who went to jail when he was younger, and then he served his time, but he was already an old man when he was released. So when he came out, he didn't know how to live as a free man. And to a point that he ended up killing himself. Some of us, we can't accept the fact that all of a sudden, there's nothing that we need to do for God. It hurts our pride somehow. Because we're looking at ourselves and saying, I could contribute so much to this church. God, you're welcome for saving me. I'm so glad you chose me. Sometimes when we're looking at grace, it offends our pride. It offends our work ethic. Right? Because in grace, you have, you're not, you have no part in it. Do we agree? Because of Christ, and because of grace, there's no, none of us took part in it. None of us took part in it. And that's the hard thing. That's the hardest thing for many of us to accept. I'm finding out. I'm finding out. That the battle for legalism, for some of us, we put it upon ourselves again. We choose to put it back on ourselves. Paul here reminded the Galatian church and us that if in, by any means we add religious rule keeping to our faith in Jesus Christ, then we have not truly known the true message of the gospel. And in the process, we bowed, we bowed down and have lost the fight against legalism. And that we have admitted in, with our actions that Christ's work on the cross is incomplete and that we need to add to it. And we need to help ourselves get into or keep ourselves to be in heaven and to be in right standing with the living God. Isn't that the, a ridiculous statement? But for some of us, and for these people in, in, Galatia, in Galatia, they did this. And for some churches, they're doing this again. And for some faith, they like this because they enslave people to do the right thing because they're scaring them. If you don't do this, you'll go to hell. It's just like how we control our kids, right? You know, Alonzo, I remember Alonzo getting in trouble in one of the schools because the, the, the principal told them he was, he was trying to get control of the rowdy kids, including my son. And he said, all right, guys, if you guys don't do the right thing, you guys know where you're going, right? It's going to be pointing down. And then Alonzo, being my son, other than being a smart aleck, you know, he knows the gospel. And he's smart. Oh, that's wrong. You can never lose your, your salvation. You're saved by grace and by grace alone. You cannot lose your salvation. So the teacher, you know, he make a long story short, Zoe got in trouble. 
Zoe got in trouble for knowing the truth. Same with Paul. Paul had a lot of enemies for knowing and still fighting for the truth. You are making enemies as you continue to fight for the truth. If you're not, then you're not doing the right thing. If you are still friends with the world, then you are of the world, I'm sorry to say. But if you are losing friends because of your faith, you're not now getting the invitations in your party because of your faith, then yeah, you now you're doing the right thing. Now you're fighting the good fight. Now if you're not getting an invitation because you're a bad person, then that's your fault. It has nothing to do with God. Right? It has nothing to do with your faith. It's if you're not getting the invitation because you're not, a, not happy to be around with, then yeah, they're probably right for not inviting you. Right? But if you're not getting the invitation from your former friends, because of your faith with God. Oh, he's just going to come here and starts talking about Jesus. He's going to judge us because we have beer. <laughs> Again, it's not religious rule keeping. Okay? We're going to tackle that later. But there's no adding to grace. This is what legalism is. And that is what we fight. And, and with it, it would help us if we could identify the problem. Do you agree? If you can identify your enemy, then you're 50% you're of winning the fight. If you don't know who you're fighting with, it's like our, some of our government officials now. <laughs> we don't know who our enemy is anymore. This is not the America that I was uh, grown to, to like and love. <coughs> to my point, for us, we need to identify who the enemy is or what the problem is in order for us to come to a solution and for us to overcome the enemy. Paul here clearly identifies to the church the issue. And he does put it clearly that it is Christ and Christ alone through faith and to faith alone through grace and through grace alone is one to become in right standing with the living God. This is, again, under the fight versus legalism. This is the equation to, this, to solve this problem that the Galatian church were getting into. Jesus, you've probably heard this before, right? Plus nothing equals everything. Everything that we need to be in right standing with the living God. Jesus plus nothing. Not going to church not giving your offering, not being at church five times a week, not doing this for God, not doing this, nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's grace. Isn't that amazing? Amen? Is it hurting? You know, gospel, the gospel is offensive. It hurts. I, I know I said it earlier. It, it hurts our sense of pride. Because some of us, we think we're good people. And we could do a lot of good things for the church. It hurts our self-confidence. Because we were confident enough that we know that we can take ourselves to heaven. Until we heard the gospel. And we're like, what are you talking about? It hurts our work ethic. And it sometimes, you know what? Sometimes it seems and it sounds cheap and easy. Doesn't it? You believe in Jesus as your Lord and you're saved. That's it. 
Do you repent from your sins? You say, you, you look at this. In Romans 10, 9, 13. Remember this? Before, for those of us, if this was given to you before you accepted Christ, it says here, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Golly. Really, that's it? There's no membership that I need to sign. There's no membership class, a six-week membership class that I need to take. There's no tattoo that I need to put on my body. There's no right piercing in, there, in my, you know. There's nothing. Just confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Praise God, right? Gosh, if we know, and I, I remember, and I know that I can easily just, if it were up to me, I can easily go to hell. That's where I'm going. Because of my lifestyle, even if I'm not showing it in the external, I know I'm doing it internally, and I'm sinning against God. But because of this, because of what Christ has done, because of what God has done, he made it so easy to a point some people think it's so cheap and easy that this can't be right. But it is. Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame since there is no distinction between Jew and, and, and Greek because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Amen. John 14.6 reads, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But you know, Romans 10.9, I know we discussed James last week. In Romans 10.9 and, and also 1 Corinthians 12.3, where it reads, Therefore I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's what 1 Corinthians 12.3 reads. That is the Christian equivalent of the Jewish Shema, which we read and see in Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. Let me read it. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words that I'm giving you today to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. You see how long that is and how many things they need to do? The equivalent of that is Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Compare that to Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. I read so many things, right? Isn't that amazing? For me, as I, as I, as I, that's why I said, that's why we end up going back to it. Because I feel like I missed most of this, what, what Brother Richard calls jewels. I missed it. Because I got too excited to compare Galatians to James. You know, also Mark 12, 29 reads, The most important is this, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Remember, it was mentioned in James 2.19. Remember, James 2.19 reads, You believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. I know we tackled that last week, but I just wanted to share it again. In Romans 10.10, salvation involves inward belief. If you're looking at there, right? Belief, inward belief with your heart. And then outward confession is with your mouth. And Romans 10.13 is was also cited by Peter, in, which is, that's what, that is Joel 2.32. If you look at Romans 10.13, that is actually Joel 2.32. And Peter also cited that in Acts 2.21. So the Old Testament is connected to the New Testament. Do we agree? So you, we have to study both. Because the, the, the disciples were coding and coded the Old Testament. And now compare, where was I? The yoke of slavery, compare it now to the yoke of Christ, which is what we have. If you accepted Christ, we are to carry his yoke. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Okay, you can sing if you want to. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here we see the contrast of Christ's yoke from the yoke of slavery, which is... It's easy, and it's not a burden. It's light, and it's rest for us. That's why if, if, if someone is serving God, and, you know, I've, I've heard it, and I've experienced it. I have people who have told me that when they're serving God, it becomes a burden. My first notion as their pastor, as your pastor, is I tell you, I, I let you go from that responsibility. Because if serving God, again, it's get to. It's an opportunity. It's a privilege. If you're being burdened by it, then it's no longer joyful. Now you're carrying it on your own, and it's something else rather than what Christ has designed for you. Because Christ's yoke is easy, and his burden is light. I don't have to be here. I really don't. I really don't have to have this job as a pastor. But you know how I see it? I see it as a privilege. I see it as a privilege because God chose me to do it. So I get to serve him in this manner. And that, as I learn about his ways and his will, I see it as a great privilege for me and my family. Before, I'm not going to lie to you, and I know I already said before many times that I found it such a big burden because I was scared of it. Because I know that the church is a church of sinners. Amen? Saved by grace. And I was the worst of them. I think that's why Pastor Jews left. <laughs> it's because of me. He had enough of me. <laughs> right? That's why I saw it as a burden. But now as I learn about his will and his ways, that this is such a privilege for me. What an honor to get to serve him in this manner. Now, are you seeing that in your life? Are you seeing your Christian life as an opportunity and a privilege? Are you seeing it as a get-to? Or are you still seeing it, oh, I have to, with that resigned attitude? 
oh, I guess I got to go to church. For the, for the children who still can't drive, I know you have to be here, <laughs> some of you guys. But the challenge is when you don't have to be here, that's when the rubber meets the road. And I have a full youth group that disappeared when they could not get, when they had the choice to not be here, right? Because it's different. Freedom costs somebody. Our freedom here costs someone their lives, costs someone their loved one. Not to be with them or they lost them completely. Our freedom in Christ costs Christ his life on the cross. But Christ is alive. Amen? Because of the resurrection. Because Christ is God. So how do we use that freedom? Are we seeing it as, are we seeing it as Christ offered it to us? Again, he's come to me, he said. All of you. The invitation is for everybody, but we know that not everybody takes it, right? Because we share the same gospel over and over again, same ways, same testimony, but people, different results. Because not everybody sees their need for Christ, right? Just like one time in our lives before. Because like for me, the gospel was shared to me not just once, but many times before I truly surrendered to him. So this is the yoke of Christ. It's easy. And it's not burdensome. It is a privilege. And we're going to see the opposite. Right? The opposite of legalism, or the, legal, the opposite of Christ's grace is legalism. And it's burdensome. You put the chains back on. But Christ has offered the key. But you'd rather keep it on. You put the shackles back on in your life. Fight versus legalism still. Galatians 5, 5, 6. For we eagerly await through the Spirit by faith the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. In Galatians 5, 1 to 5, the yoke of bondage is the law. It mistakes the lesser reality. It rules, it's the rules and regulations. It's the externals for the greater reality. God who produced the law and to whom the externals points. That's what the law did. It's to point us to a need for a savior. It showed us that we can't do it. It condemned us. The law in this sense includes, number one, the requirement to be circumcised. Number two, an obligation to perfect the whole law. And number three, to be justified by law. Trying to establish one's own righteousness under the law. Number four, it's a, there's a continuing bondage to sin. Number five, we get to depend on the flesh, which is a corrupt human nature. Number six, there's an alienation from Christ and from grace. And then Christ called it laboring and being heavily laden, which is in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. You know, the hope that Paul mentions here 
is the hope of righteousness. The Greek word is elpida or elpise. Elpise, which means <laughs> to anticipate with pleasure, expectation, or confidence. It's not the same way how we use hope, where I say, you know how we had the sun today in the morning, right? The whole day we had the sun. So I could say, I hope it's like that tomorrow. It's wishful thinking. But the way the Greeks use their hope word is expecting it with, with joy, with pleasure. And they were confident. They know. They know that it's going to happen. So if you read that again with that in mind, we eagerly await through the Spirit by faith the hope of righteousness. Right? For in Christ Jesus, neither rule-keeping or not rule-keeping, if you look at the word circumcision and uncircumcision and think it's a rule-keeping, it's a list of things to do and not do, whether you do it or not, none of that accomplishes anything. It's only by grace. Faith working. We, we tackled this we, last week. Faith working through love. Right? Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means it's not religious rule keeping or the lack of it. But the outworking of this faith we have in Christ through love. Not obligation, but because of our love for what Christ has done, it produces what? Sonship. Right? When we accept Christ as our Lord, we tackled this in, in the other chapters, we got adopted we became his children through Christ so it gave birth to sonship and the outworking of that means love because you were adopted to his family so that produces love those who stop short of love hindered by legalism by contrast they go back to the yoke Christ's yoke is life in the Spirit. Life in the Holy Spirit. When we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in us, dwells in us, and gives us the power to obey Him. Gives us the desire to want to obey Him. Not fear, but out of love. Second point. Now, if, if we're tackling, Paul tackled the legalism point. <coughs> Excuse me. Now he's fighting also with legalists. And we too, believers, are tackling legalists. 5, 7 to 12. Let me read it. You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It, is certainly, it certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. God will not contradict himself. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Right? A yeast is, is what, when, when they bake, they just need a little bit for the bread to rise. Correct? So it's this, the same thing. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. Paul speaking to the Galatian church. Paul speaking to FICF right now. If there is any of you that is thinking there and sitting there that you're 
somebody whispered to you that you're lacking. That there's a lack in you. That's why you need to go to church more. There is a lack that you are lacking. You are not worthy of him because you are not walking the certain way. You're not dressing the same way as, as they are. You're not speaking the same way as they are. You're not listening to the same music as they are. That's wrong. That's putting you in legalism. Those people are legalists. I am trusting that the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you may be circumcised, as some say I do, because some people are saying, oh, Paul is also saying that you need to be circumcised, then he gives this rhetorical question, then why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish troublemakers who want to mutilate you through the circumcision would mutilate themselves. A full castration. Now, if some of you think that the Bible only carries loving words, read that again. Mutilate themselves. That's a pretty harsh word from Paul. Don't you agree? But you know, John Stott says that this is not out of a revengeful Paul. But if you were like Paul, and Paul to Paul, God's word is everything. And the gospel to Paul is everything as well. That's why he, if we were like him, we would also wish all the false teachers to be wiped out. From the face of the earth. Because they are causing confusion. Do you agree? Okay, some of you still need a little bit more convincing. So maybe we'll have this again next Sunday. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> maybe you never know. Galatians 5, 7 and 12. It says here, I, I wrote here, miss, they, they, the Galatians miss the message of the cross. If they go back to circumcision. Believers, you're missing the message of the cross if you go back to rule-keeping, a religious rule-keeping life. For by his death, Christ abolished the law. And by his resurrection, he granted us sonship with God. For those who trouble you with circumcision, Paul wishes they would cut themselves off, referring to complete castration. Why does he speak so strongly? Because Christ broke the bonds of the law, not that our standard might be lowered, but that it might be exalted. We who are free from the law must not return to its bondage. So do you know other believers that went back to that life? It's time out of love that you tell them, you point them to this and say, why are you putting yourself through that? Because you are no longer required to do anything. But when we do something for God, it's because it's an opportunity. We see it as a get-to-do for God. Again, Paul's anger is not the thirst for revenge. But it's because of his love for God's message and his dedication to the gospel. Next point. 
In Philippians 3.2, Paul said, watch out for those dogs. Now, he just didn't want them to cut themselves. He calls them dogs. So I know for my generation, that's our term of endearment. We say, that's my dog. That's what we say, right? But during biblical time, that's the lowest. That's very offensive. For somebody to be called a dog, that's the lowest of the low. So Paul, again, uses these words. You think there's a bad word in the Bible? Yes. Dogs. <laughs> Castration. <laughs> eat, your, eat each other, right? Zombies. <laughs> Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Paul gives, gives this warning because even up to now, it's out there. Now, I was, as I was writing this, I was thinking, okay, is there any legalist in our church at FICF? My question was, am I a legalist? That was my first question to tackle. So my answer was, I hope not. <laughs> okay. I know I, 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 I bounce from holy living from grace. Because frankly, we'll, we'll tackle it later, that there's no way that you can be saved and not desire to live a holy life. That's just the truth. Because there, again, accepting Jesus Christ gives birth to sonship, not rebellion. We are freed from the rebellious state. Now, does that mean we all automatically become obedient? No. There is a process that everyone takes. There is a journey that all of us takes. Everybody has their own timeline, just like your Facebook timeline. Everybody has a different timeline when we respond. But the truth is, as a pastor, I can't be talking about grace and not be talking about holy living. So it's not legalism when I teach you or when I, when I implore and I ask and exhort you to live a holy life. Because that's your testimony for Christ. Because we have that responsibility as Christ's representatives to live in such a way. But again, it's not a have to, but it's because we need to change. The sooner you can bring yourself, the sooner you can accept with your heart and your mind that you want to do it out of your love. It's a response of your love for God the sooner you'll be obedient to Him. The sooner you'll be more surrendered to Him, the sooner you will live a victorious life. Because if you make it to be a, a have-to because I need to stay saved, then you just missed it. Now the legalists are, so if you want to identify yourself if you're a legalist, here's the points from the scripture, from Galatians. False teachers, they're false teachers, and the false teachers, they teach and they speak more about religious rule-keeping above the gospel, above the gospel, and sharing the truth of it. You know, if, if they emphasize more of, a, of a, you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't hold your girlfriend's hand until you're married, you can't wear a shirt with a skull, you know, if they teach more about that instead of the gospel, that Christ died for your sins and He resurrected on the third day, that whoever believes in Him will be saved, then they're false teachers. They speak more of what they are against rather than what they are for. That's what 
legalists are. They'll tell you about how much they don't like a certain brother or sister at church or a certain, you know, a certain believer that they think is not meeting a scale that they think they have met for themselves. And they rob us of our freedom that we receive through Christ. Legalist people are those who think that they have met a certain level in their morality or that they have quote-unquote achieved or arrived in the faith and in return it gives them the right to impose that yoke of slavery to those who they think are not meeting that standard these are the people that do the good work or good things in order for them to hear the applause of people and the recognition of the church you become a legalist when you go for that. Do you understand? We want the approval of others. Those are legalists. And how can they get the approval of others if people don't know what they're doing? Right? So they want to do something in order for people to see it and recognize it. And then you know what? The legalists are harsh. They are harsh. Legalist people don't want the counsel of anyone. You know why? Because they think they're better than you. Those are the legalist people. You think I'm wrong? The example here is the Pharisees. The legalist people in Jesus' time. And what did Jesus do? He rebuked them. And what did they do? Oh, they repented and they started a church. No. They crucified Jesus, right? They crucified Jesus. Jesus rebuked them of their legalism. He called them, you guys are blind guides, guiding the blind. You guys are whitewashed tombs. Woe to you. And what did they do? They didn't repent. Because why? The Pharisees were following the law to the T, right? At least on the external part. But their hearts were far away from God. They love praying in public. They love to give to the poor and hear the applause and ring that bell. Ding, ding, ding. I gave. Yes. Everybody. Did everybody see that? Oh, let me give again. Ding, ding, ding. You see that now? All right. We're good now. I'm walking. They were that. Right? They, and, and they crucified Jesus. That's what legalists are. The people that don't want rebuke. A true rebuke. There are legalists and there are realists. The realists are the ones that really care about you. That they'll tell me, Pastor Joe, try not to use that word again in your preaching. Because that's kind of off. You know, I heard that from a couple guys. And, 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 and you know, I, I conceded. You know, it's okay. I'd rather hear that because I know that you guys care about me and you guys love me. And I don't think I'm perfect. There's no way. Once I start saying that, I'm lying. <laughs> right? But the legalists are the people that don't want correction because they think they know it all. And they love to do the religious rule keeping because it makes them higher than the other people. Which it, it cancels God's grace. It insults God's grace. It disqualifies God's grace, which is 
definitely wrong. Galatians 5, 13 to 15. I'd say we're about to finish, but I have a few more, pa a few more pages here. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. This is the third point. What I see in, this, in these, these uh, passages or these verses. It's the fight versus license. License to what? License to sin. Now Paul knows that discussing about freedom in Christ and that there's no need to do anything to be free and to have the grace of God and to be in right standing with the Lord. Some people will take advantage of that or misinterpret it and, see, and think that it's their license to sin. Amen? That's why Paul wrote these next verses in order for it to be clear. That don't use your freedom. He says, right? Don't use it as an opportunity for the flesh. Those of us uh, who have driver's license here, do you remember when you first got your driver's license? Were you excited like me? Yeah, I was excited, but at the same time, I got depressed right quick because I remembered I don't have a car yet. <laughs> so I'm like, golly. And then I was too excited to rent a car to drive, and guess what I did? I didn't follow the rules. There was the speed limit, which showed me in my test, right? The speed limit was 35. I took that rental car. I was running 85 on Wells. 85 on Wells. I was thinking, like, I'm free to do anything stupid. And here comes the cop coming down on the stop sign. I panicked. The 19-year-old Georgette, which is full of stupidity, thought that I could outrun the cop. Yeah, <laughs> I really thought I did. So I turned on Sadlier. If you guys are familiar with the streets, Wells, this is the convention center. I was going 85. The cops showed on my right. I was like, whoa, popo. So I start, I just punched on it. I saw Sadlier stoplight. From the left lane, I turned right, going 85. So I went, <laughs> went, I, got, I, I, made, I didn't hit anybody. Good thing. I went in and I went into the apartments. And thinking that I was slick, I slid, slid down by my seat. Before I knew it, lights were up. Driver, step out of the car. <laughs> Don't look at me. Put your hands up. I was free to drive, but I was to follow the rules. I wasn't free to drive so I can be stupid and break rules. We're free in Christ. We're free from the consequences and the power of sin. But we are not to use that freedom. We are not to use that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But what? But to serve one another in love. Amen? Amen. Now I don't drive 85 on Wells. <laughs> Just on the freeway. <laughs> and I know where the cops are now. <laughs> I'm an experienced driver, so to speak. <laughs> License or abuse of the gospel is the biggest mistake of our generation. And same with the Galatian church, but I'll say even more for us. Our Christian life is anemic. It's lacking life. It's lacking life, ma. 
Because of this, the biggest misunderstanding is, is being given by the false teachers. Our Christian life is anemic. The question to a believer that will make that question, should I just continue to live a sinful life then? That question, the question to them is, when you accepted Christ, did it give you a new life? Or did it just remain that rebellion? Did you just remain in that rebellious state? Did it give birth to sin rather than giving birth to sonship and new life in Christ? Because the answer is the otherwise. If one truly has surrendered their life to Christ, there is an adoption in the family of God. There is that new nature. He didn't go in in the car wash and became a clean Honda Civic. He came in as a Honda Civic. You came in as a Honda Civic and you came out as a Mercedes Benz. A brand new 2022 <laughs> Mercedes Benz. <laughs> right? Very, very, very brand new. No, you didn't get washed. He, were he was a new creation. We all shake our head to that. We have that mental picture. But do we live like that? Do we have that, that true desire in our hearts to actually be that new creation? Because again, God will not. God will not take that free will from you. Unfortunately, I'll say. <laughs> because I don't want it. Because whenever I use it, I fall. Whenever I listen to my free will, most of the time it is against God's will. And look at this. Hebrews 10, 23-25. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Again, the hope is guarantee, right? For God can be trusted to keep His promise. Can we say amen to that? God can be trusted to His promise. He has made us a new creation. And He who started the work in us is faithful to finish it. Amen? And we say that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We recite that. We know it because of the people who watch NBA, right? You guys know it because of Steph Curry. You didn't know it was a Bible verse until you saw it on Steph Curry. But it is, it is true. We can do all things through Christ. All the things that will please Him. Anything that is pleasing to Him. If it is for Him, He will empower us to do it. You don't have that get-to feeling or, 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 or desire to be at church. Ask it from God. You don't have that wisdom to share the gospel. Ask God. Because He said, those of you who want wisdom, ask me and I will give it to you. But most of the time we ask for things from God. We make him as a genie, right? A wish list. We're good in giving him a wish list. And nothing about us improving in our relationship with him. Nothing about us being that new creation that God has told us to be. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of Love and good works, not acts of chismis and, and, and ruining each other. 
No, it's acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. You see, it talks about the meeting together, not just church, but the Bible studies, the fellowship. Let us not neglect that. You know, I, I hate it when people think that Christians are boring. Because that just means you just you haven't hanged out with us yet. Because there are times where my 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 thing hurts because I kept keep laughing and my stomach hurts. Because Christians know how to have fun. And actually we don't need the alcohol anymore to have fun. Right? We don't need help. We're just crazy like that. Right? How come people think that of us? Right? Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Do you agree that Christ is on his way back? Amen. Amen. So all the more we need to encourage each other. Do we agree? Because the more that I'm not around believers, the more I get discouraged out there. You know, the, the new law in that New York passed, right? In abortion, late, late abortion. Shouldn't even be called abortion. It should be called murder, right? The more, the more I'm not with the people of Christ, the more I get discouraged. That's why we need to meet each other. We need to be together so we can encourage one another through the word of God. Hebrews 5, 10, 23, 25 has five exhortations. One, let us draw near to God. Draw near to God. Two, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we have. Three, let us consider how we may spur or encourage one another. Number four, not giving up meeting together. Because we need it. See, when you're not here, we get discouraged. We get worried if you're sick or what. We hope you're not. We hope you're doing okay. But when you're here, we get encouraged. I see people here, I get encouraged. Encouraging one another. Number five. For the triad of faith, love. I'm going to close with these. I know I'm over my, uh, my time and I apologize. And this is my second Sunday, so I'm over, over. <laughs> Here we go. Fight versus license to sin. In 1 John 3.23, and this is the, His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, not hate one another, not devour one another, as He gave us commandment. 1 John 4, 7-8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God because God is love. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Beatles did not make it up. They just took it from the Bible. They say, all we need is love. love. Yeah, at a certain point, right? But truly, real love, radical love is God's love. And we, as His people, we need to be loving people. Amen? We can't be critical people. We can't be legalistic people. We can't be that people. We need to be loving people. Because our God is a God of love. 1 John 2.1 But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You see? 
if there is a believer, a, a professed believer, but is very hateful and vengeful and vindictive, you can probably say in your own mind that this guy really does not know who God is. Because a person who's been saved by grace because of God's love becomes gracious and becomes loving. Amen? Hebrews 12.1. Oh, John 13.35. Jesus said this. By this all we know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Right? We have to be aware of this. And we need to recognize this. That our, how we treat each other is our testimony to the world. And we are responsible for that. And Jesus charges us for it. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Not hate one another. To talk about bad about one another. But to love one another. Now I get it. It takes two to tango, right? Not everybody is, is in agreement with everyone all the time. But the love of God that is in us, we can, we can do it. We can't make them love us, but we can love them. If they don't want to see us, then don't see them. But from a distance, love them. Correct? If they don't want to respond to your text message, that's fine. At least you're texting and God knows that you're trying to love them. In your relationships, your husband, your wife, your children, if it were up to you, make peace, right? That's what the Bible says. And if you are believers, you're compelled to love one another. Love your neighbor as I have loved you, as you love yourself. Last, and I mean it, I think. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run, not sit, not wait, right? Not procrastinate, not pray about it. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We started with Paul's, Paul's uh, verse in Timothy where he says, I have fought the good fight, I have run the good race. And we're ending it with this. We too have that race to run. Amen? Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15, that in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Still doesn't go away from the loving part. People of God that's been saved by grace. If you up to now are not loving, ask yourself why. Pray to God and say, why am I still critical? Why am I still a legalist to myself and to other people? Let it be God to give you the answer. Like Paul, he fought the good fight and ran the good race. If we see that the legalist in us... Because all of us, I believe, have a legalist. The legalist in us is winning, winning the argument. We need to be quick to look at the cross and remind ourselves that if there were any way 
that God the Father would have answered Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus said, Lord, Father, take this cup away from me. If that were possible, it would have been given at that time. It wasn't given then, it's not going to be given now. Our right standing with God is not earned by us, but it was by grace and by grace alone, through faith in Christ, through Christ alone. And by that, we should spur, it should give love, it should, it should drive out love in us. Love should be our motivation to be obedient to Him, to want to come to church, to spur one another, encourage one another, to do the good things, do the good works that God has given to us ahead of time. Amen? Let's serve Him, not out of obligation, but let's serve Him because of the love that He has first given us. Because out of that gratitude, we become loving to Him and to others. Amen? Amen. Your prayers have been answered. This is time to close. Let's close in prayer. Praise God. If you have any decisions you want to make this evening after we close in prayer as the music team comes up here and sing the closing hymn, if you have any decision, if you want to accept Christ as your Lord for the first time, please come up so we can pray for you. Or if you want to be a part of this church, if God has impressed it in your heart, this is the body that you will grow with, that you need to be with, or you get to be with, I should say, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, please come up so we can pray for you. Please join me in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your message tonight. We thank you for the reminder, Lord God, that it is only through you, by grace, and through Christ. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we think we deserve to be in right standing with you. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we've been critical about other people because they, don't, they didn't meet our standard. Forgive us, Father, when we become so judgmental of them. Father, help us, Lord God, to live a holy life. Help us, Lord, to spur one another. Help us, Lord God, to be obedient to you. Help us, Lord God, to truly understand the love that you've given to us and done for us and continue to do for us. Forgive us, Lord, for the many times that we've failed. And again, Lord God, we thank you for this moment that you've given us. I pray that uh, the Holy Spirit will remind us of any lesson that we might, might have picked up tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's all. That was the end of today's message. If you want to support our mission of reaching many others through this podcast, help us grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com forward slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.